0: But it's a real time <laughs> waste do because you can play with these. You know, that's it's a double-edged sword, you know. You know I spent I spent last Friday afternoon building bots.
1: <laughs> so, but I don't think
0: it's too much of a waste of time, because I think Friday afternoons is not a great time to get hold of people, is it really? So no,
2: exactly.
1: So you keep telling yourself that, Joe. That's a good justification. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Brilliant. So yeah,
2: to live more with Joe Dodds.
1: Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast. All about productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Joe Dodds and I started this show back in 2016 to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more. And by that, I mean how they focus on productivity, organization, well-being, energy and resilience to enable them to do more of the stuff that they want to do and less of the stuff that they don't. After 241 shows, I've taken a pause from doing new interviews to reshare previous interviews. They were too good to not revisit. So please do bear in mind that this podcast might refer to events from the past as current or in the future. But rest assured that the stories, tips and advice shared by my guests continues to be pure gold.
2: Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. Today Joe is interviewing Joe Moffat of Woodreed. Joe and Joe met through the Engage for Success radio show where they are co-hosts. Just to confuse everyone with the same name. They have also worked together through Joe Moffat's business, Woodreed. Jo has been closely involved with the Engage for Success movement as a volunteer since its launch in 2012. She sits on the core team and hosts the weekly Engage for Success radio show. The Engage for Success agenda is absolutely aligned with Joe's vision to make workplaces better places to be. Jo is passionate about brands and their power to move people. She is equally passionate about employee engagement and his vital role in delivering a high-performing organisation. Put the two together, and she becomes almost evangelical about the power a well-positioned and consistently de- delivered brand has as a catalyst for employee engagement and business success. Back to the studio. Today, I'm interviewing Joe Moffat of Woodreed, and I'm very
1: excited to interview Joe because Joe and I are actually co-hosts on the Engage for Success. Uh, podcast uh, so we generally don't speak to each other <laughs> because we're normally if speaking we help to other it. people <laughs> exactly so really good to have you on my show
0: joe thanks for joining me thank you thank you it's going to be quite a quite to challenge this isn't it as to who ends up interviewing who but hopefully <laughs> i will i will try and behave myself and um and do as i'm bid
1: yes good to do and and the other thing i think i said to you a long time ago is you you always confuse me as well with your name because you're a moffat with two t's and my mother-in-law's family are moffats with one t so i always have to stop and think when i'm writing everybody's names which ones they are right (laughs) yes yeah and and certainly the fact that we're both joe confuses the hell out of our
0: radio doesn't it it
1: does my personal favorite was one where I'd met the person at a conference and he emailed me on the day to say I'm ready and I didn't get the email till you'd interviewed him and then I sent him a message the next day and said just to be clear just so that you're not uh, wondering what was going on I said that wasn't me that interviewed you I said I just thought I'd let you know in case you thought that I was a bit different this time (laughs) I I, I suspect I was slightly confused (laughs) Uh, well I yes and just as well I didn't know about it probably so no okay. so it's uh it's uh interesting and you've got somebody on the show actually uh next week who has been on this podcast as well so uh it's all getting very confusing oh right oh <laughs> and okay. not only that she's um she's married to a, a an old friend of mine from 30 years ago so it's all very interesting all these oh, intricacies of podcasting <laughs> yeah absolutely oh right so, yes
0: yeah, so I'll um I don't know what that one's about yet so I need to gen up on that and uh, yeah and see remote but,
1: uh, working but anyway yes a, right okay yes so lovely to have you here um so start by telling us uh who you are what you do and where you do it okay okay so yes as you say um i'm from Woodreed. Woodreed is my
0: own business i'm um founder and managing director um of what is what we describe as a specialist advertising agency um, and um, if people wonder well what, what exactly does that mean um, what it means in very simple terms is that we take the creativity the techniques the rigor the approach of the advertising world of the marketing world and we apply those techniques and skills to the internal audience so we are if you like the ad agency for an organization's people. Um, And it really brings together, it fuses together for me, um, my two passions. Uh, So passion number one, the one that I sort of discovered first was a passion for brands. Um, I love brands. I love what they're what they're about. I love the whole process. I love thinking about brands. I love seeing what they do. I get ridiculously excited um as as christmas approaches and the um imminent unveiling of the john lewis tv ad um comes (laughs) around for another for the next time you know for the first time Um, so brands get me out get me out of bed and always have done very excited by that but i'm equally um as excited although i sort of came to it slightly later in my professional life about the whole topic of employee engagement um and the importance of an engaged workforce to deliver organizational success and and I guess what gets me really really excited is when I confuse the two so bringing Mm -hmm. together the thinking of the brand world the thinking and the techniques of the advertising world along with the methodologies and the uh, approach um, that uh, that go to make an engage workforce and we bring those two together I think we can create really exciting things I was actually reading something um, on online today of a guy that I've just connected with on LinkedIn who talks about how you can really make magical things happen when you engage your workforce and i thought that was a lovely i love that idea of making magical things happen i thought it was uh, you know, it was really nice i wish i'd said it first actually <laughs> so so yeah that's what i do um and we do it um from uh, offices in kent we're on a business park in in west morling um which used to be actually a, a world war ii um raf um aerodrome reputed to be um, haunted by Guy Gibson and um, various um, other RAF fighter pilots uh, from World War II. Um, I haven't seen any of them myself lurking around but um, yeah it's turned into a business park and a, and a, and a giant housing estate um, but we're in the business park end of it um, uh, but that's where we work from but obviously we kind yeah. of go all over the country for, for clients and, and, and client work but you know increasingly um, in the well, it's 27 years since we started Woodreed, uh, which is a terrifying thought, actually. It makes people can really work out then how old I am. Um, <laughs> but um, it, it, it staggers me how things have changed in the last 27 years in terms of the uh, way in which business is done. And you were talking about our guest next week on the radio show, who's going to be talking about working from home and remote workers and flexible workers. And, and that has just been such a, a massive change. You know, it used to be that. I would be spending my working day driving from one end of the country to the other to face-to-face meetings. And if I wasn't doing that, I'd be on the phone all day, mm. uh, as indeed were my colleagues. We were all doing that. Um, and now it's just totally different. So much of it is just done by email or online apps, online platforms. It's, um, it's changed, changed beyond recognition, actually
1: yes yeah absolutely which and that's uh, what
0: you what this is all about isn't it about all yes. the ways in which these things have have changed and and i guess it's about how you make these things work for you rather than becoming a slave to them
1: yes yeah and the fact that you know we can have these interviews from our own offices so you know i'm also in kent but we're a few miles away from each other <laughs> but it still works (laughs) yes absolutely absolutely yeah and and yeah the the fact that we
0: can do this I mean when I first started out if you wanted to do something like this you'd have to hire out a studio in Soho and you that would be the whole day and you'd go up there and it cost an arm and a leg of course you'd have the added advantage of being able to drink copious amounts of gin afterwards but (laughs) uh, which obviously don't get when we do things like this but you know it's changed the world has, has changed radically.
1: Yes, yeah. Not to mention it is only the middle of the day, so maybe we wouldn't be drinking so much gin quite this at this moment. Although it has been known, hasn't it, Joe? <laughs> it has been known after we've completed some work, regardless of the time of day. We have once or twice been known <laughs> on the odd occasion to celebrate. On the odd occasion. Absolutely. Exactly. So tell us a bit more about why you do what you do so you've talked about the sort of uh the connection between the the branding and the employee engagement but you know you started a business 27 years ago clearly you know you were one of those um child entrepreneurs (laughs) of course when i was in brownies (laughs) (laughs) yeah everyone else was uh, selling cookies and you were setting up a branding agency exactly Um, (laughs) but you know how did that come about why are you you know running a business why are you doing what you do in the way that you do it my goodness um why am i doing what i do i guess well it
0: it started because i was working um i was working on what what i will describe as client side of the fence so i was working in a marketing department i well i started out in sales and i ended up working in the marketing department of what was then um kimberly clark and at that point had kleenex as it's um one of its lead brands and its brand portfolio doesn't uh, doesn't doesn't so much now i don't believe um and um i was working in-house client side as they say and i just i just saw the i had was having interactions with the ad agencies i was working in marketing and i thought oh this looks you know this looks really rather exciting i rather fancy this world and i kind of got to a point in the in the business where it was um i suppose i was getting a bit frustrated I'd, i'd achieved a number of things that i wanted to achieve there um and burst a few glass ceilings and become a, been the sort of first woman to do this or the youngest person to do that and I thought well, where do I go now and I was finding myself coming up against a few brick walls in terms of um that awful cultural thing that so often happens when people have ideas and yet everyone else says no we can't do that because we tried that once and it didn't work and you know just sort of <laughs> yeah. shutting shutting it down and I was I was just getting a bit bored so I thought I'll move over try and move over to the agency side which is what I did so I had a I had a few years in um working on the agency side of the fence, loved it, realized that that was, you know, absolutely what I wanted to, to do. Um, and then um, I think it's it's a kind of very natural course, actually, when you're in that world, that um, it comes a point when you think, you know, actually, we could do this. Um, and so broke away with, a, at that time, I broke away with a colleague and we set up, set up on our own. Um, and the rest, as they say, is history. But it wasn't until, Oh goodness, about 17, 15 or so years after that, that um, I was joined by uh, Charlotte Dahl, who's still with us, um, and was very uh, instrumental in making us look, take a really hot, long, hard look at what we were about as an agency. Up to that point, we'd been pretty much all things to all men. You know, if a, if a client asked us, Can you do something? we would say yes um you know can you jump yes how high you know that was very much the attitude of we would be able to do pretty much anything which meant we were utterly undifferentiated we had no clear proposition we were just a creative agency um and charlotte came from a background uh, again a big big london agency background with a with a very with a much more rigorous approach to brand thinking and she uh, rightly so um made us stop and actually look at what we stood for and went through for ourselves as an agency, the kind of brand planning exercise that um, clients do all the time with their brands. And we went through that exercise and looked at what we were, where our real strengths lay, where our real passions lay, where we would got a real track record of doing fabulous work. Um, and we looked at the market context. We looked at what our clients and what prospective clients might say about us or were saying about us. And it became very clear Um, that there was a route that we could go down, that we could carve out for ourselves, which was um, one that was very timely, really, um, which was basically saying, comes back to what I was saying at the beginning, that um, there is an opportunity for organisations to use their brands and the power that brands have to engage people on an emotional level, the power that brands have to engage and move people to do things, um, but to use that power, to use that investment, to use that inherent value that an organisation has built up in its brand, but to use that value to engage their people. And it was at the same time um, that we had developed, parallel with this, um, a, a real understanding of the whole sort of internal audience and how they needed to be engaged, the whole sort of thinking around what what at that point we discovered was called employee engagement. Um hadn't realized really too much at that point that, that, that there was a name for it we used to talk about the service profit chain um which was the sort of the methodology that everyone talked about at that point and then we discovered the McLeod report um which you know obviously you know brings us right up to where where how you and I first got to know each other mm-hmm. um the McLeod report around engaging for success and and what employee engagement was and how it mattered and how organizations could go about um developing a workforce that was going to be more engaged with the organization's purpose, uh, line managers who were better able to lead and motivate their people, a more effective and healthy culture, Um, Mm -hmm. the importance of listening to your people. And we sort of applied to that the the, the sparkle and the catalyst, if you like, of the brand um, and bringing the brand to life inside. And so in 2008, we relaunched ourselves um, as uh, still called, kept ourselves um, called Woodreed, but our strapline became inside out thinking for brands and the idea being that we were looking to join up the brand experience from the inside out so that mm. wherever anyone comes into contact with a, with an organization's brand they get a consistent experience because essentially um, the shorthand of a brand is that it's a promise to your customers and your prospective customers um, mm. but it's also it's also very much a um a sort of blueprint for the growth of a business, and that very much fits with the whole employee engagement proposition. I think.
1: Yeah, I think it's really interesting that that it was Charlotte that was the sort of catalyst for that. I mean, obviously, it's impossible to say, but what where do you think things might have gone, or what might have happened, had she not come in? Because that was quite a pivotal change for your business. Yeah. Yes, it was. I mean, goodness, where would where would we have gone? I don't know. I
0: mean, you know, Charlotte is a planner that's what she is an advertising agency planner um over the last 12 years she's evolved more into what we we call her our creative planning director because she has far she's sort of broader than simply a planning director but but it was that a planner is very much the person that looks at the brand position and looks at the um uncovers the insights into the audience and any business worth its salt ought to go through that process um and um I get I think we would have we would have probably done it Um, but the fact that she was part of our team and with us and was was inside the organization and took us all along with her I think was sort of key to it um, key to it happening so no I don't I don't know quite honestly Um, yeah I think we would have got there eventually but I'm not sure it would have been wouldn't have been half as much fun um, (laughs) because she you know because she makes us laugh a lot so um, and and you know we got we got to a very very clear and very differentiated proposition. And I, I remember she always used to say, I'm talking about it like she's dead. She isn't. She she always <laughs> used to say, she always would, would say, let's put it that way, she would say that um you know if you, you you have to stand for something, you have to stand, you have to have you have to be able to stand for something and be differentiated and stand up for something. And you can't just be all things to all men. And um no. you know from a from a business development perspective um although we might all feel oh you don't want to shut down opportunities by by not pursuing certain areas actually um it makes it a damn sight easier for everybody if you allow yourself to have a very clear proposition and a clear almost a clear pigeonhole of where clients can put you so that they know when they need service xyz they can call on Woodreed. you know so
1: yes yeah that's a, a really key message i was at a networking event last week and somebody was talking about Sort of shifting her business into to focusing more on what she enjoys rather than what what she's been selling up to now and it was interesting that uh she was very much talking about what she does and when i said you know who's it for who do you do that for it was all oh, i can do that for anybody you know as long as mm. um in this case it was um to do with data analysis so she was basically saying you know anyone who's got data i can help them to analyze it which mm-hmm. of course is true <laughs> but yes. as you have said doesn't actually speak to anyone in particular mm-hmm. and uh so you know sort of cobbler's children because i'm i'm you know not great at uh, focusing in that way either for my own business but i can see it in other people's businesses or or rather see the lack of it Um, yes
0: you You, you have to be I mean I know it's a it's a it's a classic thing you have to be able to deliver an elevator pitch you have to be able to sum up in in you know in a matter of moments what it is that you do and why you know what it's about and um, wherever you might run into people really Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. yeah
1: so tell us a bit about how you prioritise what you're doing between your your work and your life because you've run a business for for 27 years uh you have an office outside of the home but i know that you used to be based closer to, to home because uh you've sort of recently moved in, in the last few years haven't you and yeah. um you've but you know you've we got were... children you know how how's all of that worked? Yeah. Sorry, carry on <laughs> well no i mean yes we we started out in wood in woodridge started
0: out in tunbridge wells hence our twitter Handle as Tun Wells Woodies, um, mm-hmm. which you know, I created that Twitter account on my kitchen table actually when I back in 2008 as I sort of looked looked at this thing called Twitter and thought what is it? I um, yes. just had a play. I mean that's kind of classic classic way I tend to do things really. But um, but yes, you're right. I've got three children. Um, actually, they are now um, fully fully grown. The youngest is 20, so um, we're not um, they're not quite quite as they were. But I couldn't to be honest with you. Um, I couldn't have done it uh, without my husband's support. He, we did a role swap when the, my our eldest child was 18 months old. We did a role swap, and he brought he brought the family up. And mm. certainly in the early years of running my own business, I honestly don't think I could have held it all together if I hadn't had a, um, someone at home making sure that there was food put into my mouth and clean clothes <laughs> to put on, and um, you know, just do all of that household domestic personal admin that goes on in a life um, mm-hmm. let alone a life with three children let alone a life with school and homework or you know all that malarkey and yeah. and i have to say i haven't i haven't had to juggle both and i no. think um i absolutely uh personally f- would would have found that very very difficult i know that i had to when i did try to juggle things i had to be very I, I found it very, very difficult. I found myself always feeling that I was failing on, to do anything properly because I was trying to do everything and always felt like I was falling short. So in the end, I did actually have to do, draw quite rigid lines and say, no, this is home, this is work. I can't juggle the two. And yet I know other people who can do that brilliantly well. You mm-hmm. know, they can brilliantly well be – It can be writing a – you know, reading an email or knocking an email out in with the right hand while doing a jigsaw puzzle with the left, you know, and laughing a baby in the middle you know i mean i i can't i don't know how they manage it but i certainly couldn't do it um, no. but again you know, it comes back to each to their own it's about that's why none of these rigid approaches um whether it be the rigid nine to five or the rigid must work from home all the time um really work because you've no. got to you've got to recognize that people are individuals mm. and that different people have different strengths it's like i know you i'm forever seeing emails from you at 1 in the morning um yeah i couldn't do that you know mm-hmm. i i have to draw a line and say no that's and anyway i wouldn't be awake at half past one in the morning yeah. but but you know it's it, it's horses for courses isn't it really
1: yeah absolutely and it's something that you know i've increasingly come to understand in the last few years exactly that that it is about individual uh sort of needs and style and so on and uh and i think that's sometimes some of the issue around productivity and you know there's there's, this this big thing about and I say it a lot in the podcast because as you know I'm and as you've just proved I'm a a night bird rather than a a, an early morning person but you know there's so much um you know stuff out there saying oh you've got to get up at four o'clock and you know you've done your whole day by six o'clock and that's Mm. the only way to be successful Uh, when actually it is all individual and it's about what's right for you as an individual isn't it
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it really, really is. I mean, there are there are things, you know, there are skills you learn along the way that you kind of a, a, apply without necessarily thinking about it. But they're skills that work for me or, or techniques that work for me may not necessarily work for you or, or someone listening to this interview really but but um yeah it's it's interesting i mean i think when i was thinking about um the kind of things we might talk about today i was thinking actually a lot of the time the things that i do are the things i don't necessarily remember when i learned how to do them i've just kind of evolved that technique and that approach over the years you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so so for example there was one um i'm sure People will be familiar with Stephen Covey and his you know, habits of, of highly successful people. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the Stephen Covey quadrant, which yes. um years and years ago, every single person who worked at Woodreed would have a little grid sticker on their computer monitor, and it was divided into four squares, and there was um, urgent, was top left and um top right was not urgent, and then the um Sorry, the the top left square was important and urgent. The top right square was important and not urgent. The bottom left square was not important, but urgent. And the bottom right square was not urgent and not important. And we went through a process years and years ago of just saying to people, just before you go racing off to do something and think you've got a million and one things to do, how am I ever gonna cope with it all? Just take a moment to look and see where is it on that quadrant? Mm -hmm. and for years those little stickers lived on people's monitors and then then they were gone um but they're embedded do you you know what i mean they have become just become part of the fabric of the way we do things Mm -hmm. is that we think about which almost almost um you know automatically um without actually consciously thinking about it you know is this actually um not urgent and not important, in which case it will be it will be forever dropping off the bottom of the to do list in fact, shouldn't really even have a place on there um or is it um not urgent but important, and therefore we should set aside some time to start planning for that piece of work mm. um and you know just going through that process, and it's funny, I mean I haven't read stephen Covey's books. <laughs> um at all um there's like so many of these things isn't it i haven't actually read stephen covey i haven't actually read a complete book by dan pink and yet i i I know what they're saying and i've you know a lot of the time you don't actually have to read this stuff to pick up the the, the sort of gist of it do you
1: no um, no, and, no app- okay.
0: and apply these things so so mm. yeah that one um i haven't gone through the process i haven't um you know i haven't been coveyized or whatever the phrase is um, but but you know it's a it's just a really handy little little technique and um, yes. you know which do you do now which do you plan for which should you delegate which is the um, urgent but not terribly important then you can you know delegate those to people if you're lucky enough to have someone to delegate it to um and then the you know the not urgent not important you can eliminate entirely um mm-hmm. and it's simple it's so simple um and it's quite funny actually because I was looking um I was just looking on Google this morning at images of it just to um, just to sort of uh, prompt my thinking a little bit for you. And, yeah. You know, what staggered me was that it was in, essentially it was a really simple concept. And yet in the way that management consultants and writers and authors and influencers cannot but help themselves doing. There are umpteen million versions of it on the Internet because everyone's had to have a fiddle with it. You know, yes. everyone's had to have a play everyone's had to go and say well I think I can make this better actually I think I yes. can make it work more and and of course they can't actually you have to strip it right back to the basics and what there was nothing you know it didn't need to be fiddled with just leave it alone use yes. it as it is and don't try and you know don't try and put icing on the on the cake when it no. you know, when it really doesn't need it so
1: and actually make- I don't it. even think it was Stephen Covey's I think it was Eisenhower's <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you are. So it so shows you is who's more famous out of the two of them. Stephen Covey, so obviously. <laughs> President Eisenhower. Is yes, this all- apparently. Oh, right. yeah, okay. Well, there you are.
0: Covey so stole it from Eisenhower and <laughs> passed it off as his own. Marvellous. There you are, you see. Even
1: better. So, continuing the theme about uh, how you get stuff done, then, you, you obviously you use the quadrant um, process. How, Uncon- how have- unconsciously. Unconsciously. Yes. Yeah. How, how else do you get? make sure you get the right stuff done? Have you got um, to do lists? Do you be more flexible
0: yeah. now, how does it work uh what else do we use um i i suppose yes absolutely have to do lists. i um i use outlook um microsoft we've got office 365 and mm-hmm. um i have i use i use outlook tasks actually um a lot uh to remind myself what needs to be done so i don't actually don't actually write a physical to-do list anymore that's gone the way of all flesh really but back in the day it was a it was the thing that we'd always write a to-do list before you went home from work at night. You'd write a to-do list for the things to do the next day. Um, and yeah. I think that actually that is probably still one of the best disciplines you can have. It's mm. just that maybe uh, technology has replaced that a little bit. But but yes, I mean, Out, Outlook tasks. But I have to say I found a, I've found a lovely shiny new toy in the last month. <laughs> oh, uh, do share. I'm terribly <laughs> excited about so, um, it. So well it's not that new but i think that they've changed their business model um a bit and so it's hubspot do you know hubspot
1: yes yeah i was a hubspot certified consultant or something many years ago maybe not certified consultant whatever i did their thing right in the early days when i was doing social media and stuff but yeah so tell us more
0: well (laughs) well i i don't know quite when they changed their model because i've known about them for years but Mm. um, and tried using them a while back and it didn't just didn't quite work but anyway they've they've change their model i think um whereby they have their crm system which is at the Mm. heart of everything that they do is utterly free um so for an organization which is relatively small for an organization you know every organization needs to sell you know it doesn't matter what you're doing whether you're making widgets or selling services or selling consultancy we all have to sell our product or services to somebody Mm. and unless you're very lucky um and that's a bit of a double-edged sword you don't have a sales team out there knocking on doors and and opening conversations and having dialogue with prospective clients you have to do that at the same time as you're doing your day job yeah and for you know for small organizations especially for for one-man band consultants or sole practitioners it's a real problem, this whole you go from sort of fat feast to famine. You know, you're so busy working on the work that you don't you haven't got the capacity to actually get the next job in. And so by the mm-hmm. time you get to the end of that project, you realize you've actually got nothing in the pipeline. And it's a it's you know, it's a real challenge for any relatively small business. And certainly for sole practitioners, it's a it's a real problem. So how do you manage your sales channels and your sales pipeline and I'd, i'm just loving this hubspot thing because the c as i say the crm the customer relationship uh, management at the heart of it is absolutely free um, but it means that i can send an email to somebody and instead of me having to manually file that somewhere and tell it tell myself when to remember to follow that up um it all happens for, it all happens automatically It, it all. Mm. It all just builds this lovely little database and this lovely stories of who you've spoken to and what you've said to them and what they've said to you, all all just without you having to actually do a thing. And it reminds you when to follow things up and it it creates all kinds of, there are all kinds of really interesting and cool little widgets and um, templates and techniques in it, Um, including things like booking meetings. That's all free. Um, And um, yeah, But, but the business model it is quite neat because you get to a certain point absolutely free and then if you want to have something a bit more sophisticated or a little bit more analytic a little bit more analytics behind things then you start to pay so there mm. is a, a monthly fee that you pay depending on what extra elements you want but the basic core thing is is absolutely free so i i find that very exciting i'm i'm loving playing with it at the moment yes um, yeah so, but it's a real time waster because you can play with these. You know, that's, it's a double-edged sword, you know. I spent, I spent last Friday afternoon building bots.
1: So, but I don't think
0: it's too much of a waste of time because I think Friday afternoons is not a great time to get hold of people, is it, really? So, no, exactly. So you keep I, telling
1: yourself that, Joe. That's a good justification. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah that's that's yeah. my my latest shiny new toy yeah cool and I have tried that in the past and then uh went back to capsule crm which is what I use but um it hasn't got all the bells and whistles as you say so maybe I need to have another yeah. another look at it I do use them for the they track um email opens in gmail so I've, I've got that set up but um, oh right yes yeah, yeah. So yeah. I must have a look at that yeah, so any good. other tools and apps that you particularly no, like
0: so, um well I love I mean I know it's a it's a microsoft's big thing but i do i have to say since we moved to office 365 that has changed my life um so now we we used to have a whacking great server that that backed up everything every night and cost a fortune to um back up off site so that we would have business continuity in the event of some desperate disaster befalling the world um but it did it, it it meant that it meant that when it snowed um we were we couldn't really people couldn't really work easily from home necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um and since we've moved to Office 365, and um, you you know, you you can literally be anywhere. And I know it's it's just the benefit of cloud cloud hosted stuff, but um it's made an enormous difference. That it, mm-hmm. it used to be that you know you would leave you'd leave, so you were gonna be out of the office for a couple of days. Um You'd have to save stuff to a memory stick and you'd have to plug it into your laptop and take it with you and um then things wouldn't necessarily be the right version you know now everything is just real time wherever you happen to be Um,
2: yeah and
0: um i know it's not particularly sexy i know it's not particularly exciting but i have to say it's been an enormous an enormous change uh, for us and it's certainly helped with collaboration so as members of the team do, we do work flexibly I mean one of the things we've always been really really strong on at, at Woodreed is is um, making it possible for working working mums to return to work you know we sort of mm-hmm. embraced the value of that years and years ago and have always tried really hard to make that happen and and that inevitably means giving people the freedom to choose when they do come to the office or when they work from home or whatever um, yes. and and certainly office 365 um, being able to collaborate on a document has um, been a revelation, you know, to to, to uh, two of you to be on the same document when you're miles and miles apart, talking to each other over over Skype for business and playing with the document together
2: um, mm-hmm. and arguing
0: about it and making it the best it can be. You know, is is great, and yeah. you know, it's it's just none of this ping ping pong email back and forth. I've had a look at it. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. And, you know, it it's just so much more in the moment and mm-hmm. so much more efficient, really. So, so yeah, not particularly exciting, not remotely new really, but um, it inor- has made an enormous difference.
1: Um, but it's also great to hear that, that it's, it's been used and it's, it's working really well. Cause I think there's a lot of organizations that haven't embraced cloud software at all you know, yet, uh, I think, you know, sort of the very, very small businesses, the micro businesses, the, the one man band sort of businesses have, and the big, you know, really big businesses have invested. I think there's a, as, as there were, you know, when, when social media came along and as digital started to come in and so on, I think there's a load of businesses in the middle who mm. haven't. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I worked with yeah. a, a client recently who were, uh, they needed some email training to enable people to be able to, uh, sort their emails and admin them so that they didn't keep running out of space on their server. (laughs) It's like, you know, you're really wasting money getting me to train them to do this, especially when their consultant's being paid a lot of money to basically admin their email. You should just go to a cloud option, but they were so anti doing that from a security point of view you know. But then you see, I mean, I've I've, I've come across organizations
0: and I think, you know, it happens all the time is they worry about the security of the cloud and what they don't appreciate is that the what's actually happening is that vast numbers of their people are having documents on a local laptop, which they're taking with them here, there and everywhere. And then when they leave the business, that corporate memory is lost for good. They have yeah. no central support, no central repository. And it said central suppository. Then I don't think that's the same thing at all. They They don't have any kind of central repository where these things where these files and, and documents are kept you know people are working locally they're working on local laptops and things are gone and then what what you end up doing is you end up um as i say that corporate memory is lost but everything is then reinvented you know people yes. so much time reinventing the wheel it's just not true um no, exactly. uh, you know it's it's interesting It's mean, funny funny story slightly slightly re, re, um adrift but it reminds me what you were just saying about training people on emails, um, it, is, it does make me laugh sometimes. The things that organisations want to get their people to be trained upon. So, I mm-hmm. heard this story from somebody who was telling me the other day that um, they were asked to go into an organisation and help them uh, to put in some training and some workshops to help them to become more agile. And that was the that was the t- that, that was what they wanted. Now that's all fine and dandy in itself. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But the irony of the whole thing is that they never. Ever managed to get the dates in the diary to make these agile workshops happen, or even have a conversation about whether they should proceed with the process because they were they were so totally and utterly devoid of agility they couldn't they couldn't find the time to do it,
1: you know. And that's classic, uh, isn't it? Yeah, there's so much irony classic. in business, isn't there? There's certainly. There's certainly, there's certainly but, so, yeah. <laughs> so what about um your own learning and sort of moving forward you've talked already about you know books and you know not necessarily you know having to or, or or needing to to read them because the you know that stuff's out there and we you know we absorb it in other ways um you know you're talking about new technologies and and sort of um adopting that how do you keep moving forwards and keep making sure that you're you know learning what you need to learn um I think
0: I would probably say that most of what I, I find, I think social media is wonderful. I mean, yes, it does my head in sometimes and yes, it can make me incredibly um, depressed sometimes with, with man's inhumanity to man in a, in a, on the social media world. But um, actually I think social media is fabulous because it, it takes you down routes that you don't quite necessarily know where you're going to go and you find things. And I've always enjoyed, um, stumbling across stuff you know um Mm -hmm. and then that is the joy of um the joy of flipping through a magazine or a newspaper is stumbling across stuff or it was the joy but you you can do that so beautifully on on online and you never know quite what you're going to find so um i am on twitter and linkedin most days and i look at Things that people post that sound interesting, and I read about them, and um, that helps me to think about new things. I mean, for example, um, I, I, I may not have read Dan Pink's book from cover to cover, but I've read enough of it—you uh, know, enough bits of it and extracts of it—to um, you know, to sort of know the gist of it. But I'm on his uh, mailing list, and um, just this morning he sent he sent a little. Um, Uh, email about his his favorite books of the year which is kind of classic I suppose it's time of year isn't it but but there was also he talked about a new technique or a technique that he's got that I hadn't come across before and I thought you know that's rather good and it was if you are starting to flag in terms of motivation um then to apply this what he calls the j5m rule have you come across that no I haven't no Um, and it and it's basically it stands for just five more so if you've been plowing through your emails and you kind of want to stop then just just do five more and then stop if you are reading something that's not very interesting you know reading something then just read five more pages or just do five more minutes on the treadmill or so it's just five more of something whatever it is that you're starting to flag doing yes um and just say to yourself just five more um and his argument being that not only will you at the very least, you will have done just five more of whatever it was that you were about to give up on. He said, but more than likely, you'll find yourself having done 10 more or 15 more or 20 yes. more without really realising it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, so you, you just stumble across this sort of stuff. And, you know, I stumble across all kinds of interesting things every day. And but then mm-hmm. again, as part of my job, um, it's my job to find interesting things to say to people. So we, we have an online platform that includes learning and development um, material. And in that learning and development material, we, are, um, we, get, we set out to read uh, interesting articles and papers around culture change, employee engagement and brand and so on. And then yeah. we, we, write, we distill those down to their absolute essence because no one actually does have the time to read everything in full these days. Um, so as part of that platform we distill good content down to a bite-sized chunks of learning um, and so inevitably I'm having to learn it myself because in order to do that I've got to read it you know so, yes, so that's yeah, all- yeah. but there's another there's another thing that I think you know we waste an awful lot of time um, we talked about organizations losing their corporate memory and um, you know reinventing the wheel and starting things from scratch but as individuals, we find ourselves having to do that a lot But when projects you, you sort of work on a project or you're having conversations about something and then it stalls for a bit and then it comes back again in a month's time. So you have to get yourself back up to speed with it again and then it stalls yeah. again and it comes back. And every time you do it, you're having to go over the same old ground to get yourself back to where you were. And the kind of productivity technique that is aligned with that is is the two minute rule um and that's to me is is a really something i really actively try and do is that if if i can do this task if something comes into my inbox for example and it's going to let it's going to take me less than two minutes to deal with it i'll do it there and then yeah um rather than um you know looking at it once reading it reading it and then thinking i'll come back to that later because actually coming back to it later i've got to go through that i've got to go through that initial reading again you know so doing Mm -hmm. if you can do it in two minutes and it's done um it's damn sight better than putting it on your to-do list and coming back to it later yes Uh, yeah uh, yeah. and i I try and i try and do that so that i suppose that's an extra little quadrant on Covey's quadrant really isn't it that um Mm. if it can be done in two minutes it doesn't matter where it is in that in that quadrant just get it out the way just get on
1: with it yeah exactly no i agree lovely so just bringing the interview to a close then what about those um days when things don't go right how do you deal with that
0: um
1: we've mentioned gin i think haven't we (laughs) yes (laughs) i'm with (laughs) you on that
0: one (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what about when things don't go right um mm, okay well obviously they don't do they i mean because all these things are i think the trouble with as delightful as talking to you for the last half an hour has been and as, delight- and as great a concept as this is, and I think it is, one of the things that programs like this and, and any other sort of, um, sort of self-help and, and guru type things can do is they can actually end up making people feel really um, hopeless if yes, they're not careful inadequate. you know you can, <laughs> yeah, feel, yeah. you can feel oh my god they're all these amazing it's a bit like you know it's a bit like when you look at instagram and you see everybody's got fabulous children with no spots you know and and and, and everyone's having a lovely life and they're doing the most marvelous home cooking and all this that and the other and you can think that everyone's fabulous except you and it, it can get to you and i think it's a similar sort of thing with listening to people talking about how they do stuff i mean the god you know Goodness sake, all the stuff I'm talking about. If I applied all this in my day-to-day life as brilliantly as I kind of imply that I do, <laughs> I'd be a millionaire and I'm not. So yeah, you know, clearly there are times when we we all sort of go off the rails a bit. So so I don't it doesn't always go right. Um uh, I think what I try to do, and it doesn't again, it doesn't always work because sometimes when things don't go right, it really gets to you, and I don't think there's anything anyone can do to stop that. But I used to be, I started out in sales, my early Career was in sales and yeah. telesales. Um, I was I was doing telesales in um, recruitment, um, which has probably got to be one of the toughest gigs on the planet, I would mm-hmm. think, uh, in sales terms. Obviously, there are harder jobs than that, I grant you. Um, but you do you do learn and in, you do learn a natural resilience. Um, and one of the things that I did learn fairly early on was the ability to metaphorically put things into boxes if I couldn't do anything about it right you know literally in my mind I would see myself putting this thing into a box and sealing it up with sticky tape and putting it away until yeah. I could come back to it um and I can make myself do that actually um so when things don't go right I'll I will try and put the things into the boxes until I can come back to them and and pick them up and try and start again um wow yeah that, that's what, yeah that's Nobody
1: said that in 82 uh, podcasts. So really? <laughs> yeah, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. Yeah, there you are. I mean, you know, it's it's less
0: easy to do at three when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning worrying yes. about something. But you know that is a classic yeah. example. With yeah. three o'clock in the morning, there is nothing that you can do to sort this thing out. um So put it in a box. Stick it to, stick it down. And park it and yeah, come yeah. back to it the next day. And you know I, have, I really do think that putting something away and then coming back to it is probably the one of the best techniques and, and for getting to the, getting where you want to go to. I mean it applies whether you're trying to do a crossword puzzle or a word puzzle or whether you're writing copy, um, mm. what it, or trying to solve a problem, have a go at something, put it away, go away think about something else your brain will carry on working on it subconsciously Mm -hmm. and then when you go back to it lo and behold the answer's staring you in the face and um, you kind of wonder where it came from well what it came from was inside you because actually you do know how to solve the problem you just hadn't quite managed to get the answer to the top Um, and then there it is uh, job Mm. done
1: I think it's also a, a nice example of learning something uh, sort of early in your career that you, you're continuing to apply. So, uh, you know, that's that, that's interesting. Yeah, to hear too. yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So what about that day when you've ended the day knowing that you've lived more? And that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the things that you um, feel you have to do or you, you need to do. What What's that day look like? Um, it depends whether I'm at work or at home. Mm-hmm. um
0: if I'm at work I think the kind of day where I I think the the best days the most positive days are the days when I've met interesting people mm-hmm. um it doesn't have to be necessarily new people but when I've met interesting people who've challenged me to think about something differently yeah. um not just you know people that agree with everything we don't just sit there nodding and agreeing with each other about everything people who've actually challenged you to think about something slightly differently or take a different perspective on something so in other words a day where i feel that i've actually grown in some way or other um learned something and i love learning new stuff i mean that's why i like building bots last week you know it was like great fabulous very exciting um And then, but if I'm not at work and I'm at home, because as I've already explained, I like to keep these two things. I'm rubbish at combining the two, so they have to be separate. Um, If I'm at home, it's also about growing things, because I'll be best sort of day is when I'm, I've been digging the garden and I've got mud under my fingernails and the beans are growing. And um, that's, that's a good day for me at home, really. So.
1: Lovely, lovely. So thank you so much for joining me, Jo. It's been great to actually uh, speak to you, as we've <laughs> said, on a podcast together rather than uh, separately or rather not speak That's, to each other. <laughs> it's My pleasure. My pleasure. So, thank you for inviting me, Joe. So tell people how they can find out more about you and connect with you.
0: Oh, OK. Um, so I think I've already mentioned that um, Woodreed is on Twitter. So it's uh, it, it's not just me. It's the it's the team that tweet. But we are on Twitter as um, Tan Wells Woodies. Um, I am on LinkedIn, so simply um, look for Joe Moffat, M-O-F-F-A-T-T, as you have already said, two T's at the end, <laughs> um, on LinkedIn. Um, come and have a look at our website, um, if you want to find out more about what we think about Um, creating engaged workforces using brand inside organizations and there's a blog area in there as well um, which uh, you 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 can see Um, and that'll give you a bit of a flavor of the sort of personality of of the agency and what we're about Mm. and uh, we
2: you know we'd love to see you there lovely
1: thank you very much
2: all right thank you stop feeling stuck and overwhelmed join power to live more calm membership today and make an investment in your future the Power to More Calm Membership is designed for coaches and consultants struggling with the pressures of running a home-based business. You get access to our supportive community, including weekly Zoom calls, accountability, learning materials teaching you online marketing, audience building, income generation and all sorts of other things you need to run your home-based business with ease, along with materials like templates, checklists and planners to keep you motivated, organised and productive. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership program and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm. Use your power to live more.